Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Think of all the people today who, you know, have their fist clenched and, you know, they're shaking it at the heavens. And, you know, accusing God of this, that, and the other thing. And how could there be a God of love who would allow this to go on? And, you know, all the stuff that we hear so frequently today, Nebuchadnezzar got it. God does what he pleases. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Daniel chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Brian. Sometimes that's a judgment on an individual person, but sometimes it's a judgment on groups of people, on nations. And so God will punish wicked nations by allowing wicked people to come to power who will oppress them. God allows these kinds of things to happen. Romans chapter 1 basically teaches us this. It teaches us that the wrath of God is presently being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So all people suppress the truth so they can live unrighteously. They pretend like they don't know it, they don't hear it, they don't want to hear it, they turn a deaf ear to the truth, and they do that so they can live ungodly lives. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against that. And yet the wrath of God is not today, it's not seen like it was in the past where it's so obviously noticeable, like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Um, Nobody was wondering what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody knew God was judging Sodom and Gomorrah. Everyone knew, finally, that God was judging Egypt in the time of Moses. Everyone knew that God was judging Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed it. And everyone knew that God was judging Jerusalem again when the Romans came to destroy it because Jesus said that that was going to happen. But then since then, we, there's, there's not many things that we could point to and say with absolute certainty, that is a judgment from God. Because that kind of judgment happened in the past and will happen in the future. But I think now the way God judges is he judges by allowing people to live the way they want to live, and then they have to also live with the consequences of the way they want to live. And that becomes the judgment. So the judgment is the consequence of living in rebellion to God. If you live in rebellion to God, you will pay for it. That is just a fact of life. You can't escape it. There's the Bible tells us whatever a person sows, they will also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Just like if you 
put uh, corn or wheat in the ground and it's going to spring up ultimately and whatever you planted, that will be the crop that springs up. And so those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption. It's, it's a law. And God, you know, we, we look at, you know, let's just say we look at the United States where we all live. And we look around and we wonder what on earth is going on? Why are things going so crazy? Why, why is there such a proliferation of wickedness? How is it that these politicians are making these policies that are just, they're lunacy? This is a judgment. How does this happen? It's a judgment. God is sovereign over the nations. God allows these things to happen. But what is his ultimate goal? His ultimate goal is to get people to come to their senses and repent and turn to him. Just like Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, renounce your sins and cast off your wickedness. That's God's motive in allowing these things to happen. So, so we pick up here. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. Immediately, what had been said, verse 33, about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now, there is this syndrome, a psychological condition. You know, it's, it's actually documented where people will, in a psychotic state, they will think they're an animal. And they have documented people thinking that they were like a cow or an ox. And another common one is, the technical term is lycanthropy, which is people think they're a wolf, the werewolf of London. <laughs> this is where, actually, this is where these books and movies and ideas come from, from these, these syndromes. Now, I just bring that up because every, everybody, when they're talking about this, they, they tend to point to that. And, and quite often, you know, people are always looking for some sort of a natural explanation for these things. Well, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he probably just had a nervous breakdown and he had that boanthropy. You know, he thought he was an ox. Well, it's, it's crystal clear here what happened. God <laughs> is judging him and taking away his sanity. And so he's lost his mind and he thinks he's a beast. Now, Let's put this in the context of who this guy is that we're talking about. This guy is probably the greatest single ruler in all of the history of the world. 
The, the Babylonian uh, empire had a long, long stretch. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar was, he was the second king of what is called the Neo-Babylonian empire. But under Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the empire far exceeded anything that it had ever been previously. You know, Babel goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? In the 11th chapter, they went to the plain of Shinar. They built a tower. It was named Babel. That is the beginning of Babylon. And so we have the earliest stages of it there. We go on through history. You've perhaps heard the name Hammurabi, the code of Hammurabi. Well, Hammurabi lived about a thousand years before Nebuchadnezzar did. And he was a great king who wrote this law code. Many people try to compare it with the law of Moses and say, look, you know, you know, Moses didn't get this from God. Hammurabi had a similar thing. Um, slight similarities, way more differences. But anyway, so this, this is Babylon. So then we come to Nebuchadnezzar and he not only conquers the world surrounding him, but he's the one who now takes Babylon and he expands it and makes it one of the greatest architectural empires in the world. So, you know, this, this is about as, as great as it gets. I mean, you know, if you could compare him to some current person, I don't know who we might compare him to, but, you know, I mean, this is like the guy. And his pride has been the very thing that's driven him all the way along. What he didn't know is that God was behind the scenes allowing him to advance. But now this is the guy who's crawling around in a field and eating grass with the oxen. Man, what must people have thought at that time? At that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. Now, this means not that he simply looked up, I raised my eyes toward heaven in acknowledgement that God Most High is sovereign. That's what it means. And my sanity was restored. And that's what, that's what, the, that's what Daniel said. You, you will be in this state until you know that the Most High is sovereign over the earth. Now, whether or not he was living out in the field and somehow still in his deranged mind denying the sovereignty of God, it's hard to imagine that he would, but maybe he was. But there, there is a point here where something happens and he acknowledges. And notice that immediately his sanity returns to him. And, you know, that just reminds us of how gracious God is. And the moment that we humble ourselves, the moment we turn, 
God's not playing a cat and mouse game with us. The moment we turn, he's there to meet us as we turn to him. And we see that beautifully right here. My sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever and ever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Man, you just wish people would get this. Think of all the people today who, you know, have their fist clenched and, you know, they're shaking it at the heavens. And ironically, they're denying that there's a God, but they're cursing one anyway. So that's a little bit weird, but, um, and, you know, accusing God of this, that, and the other thing, and how could there be a God of love who would allow this to go on? And, you know, all the stuff that we hear so frequently today, Nebuchadnezzar got it. God does what he pleases. And, you know, sometimes I just, I, I want to be as patient and gracious, you know, with, with people. But, you know, when you, when you come across sometimes those people that are just, they're just so dead set against the Lord and they're, they're very pompous and they're, you know, all lifted up in their minds with their, their own greatness and all of that. You know, sometimes you just want to put them in their place. You just want to let them know that, you know what? God does what he wants and he doesn't even care what you think about it. So <laughs> complain all you want. It's not going to change anything. I was following this. I've been following this guy on, on Twitter. He is, he's a, I think he's an astronomer. Who be, I think he's an astronomer. Maybe not. He, he's a scientist of some sort. And he became a Christian. And he's so excited about the Lord. And he's so excited about having met Jesus. And now, you know, seeing um, the, the, the world through a scientific lens, but with the lens of, Christ and God the creator behind it as well. And, you know, he's like discovering these wonderful things and then he's, and sometimes he's tweeting about it. And they're great stuff. And he's, you know, a very brilliant guy, you know, professor and PhD and all that. And, and I'll read his tweet and it's like, oh man, that's great. Wow, that's, that's powerful. And then I'll read the thread under it and, and people are just mocking him and, you know, you idiot and how could you think that? And you're so stupid and I, we know better and, you know, all of this stuff. It's all just pushing back because he's talking about the fact that, well, actually God made everything. And um, in, in, in one of these threads that I was following recently, he made the statement and then he had like five people pile on that told him what a dummy he was and how he was just so stupid and all of this stuff. And I love the way he just very calmly rebutted each one of them with a series of facts. Well, actually, no, this is this and this is that and that's why this and da, da, da. And then eventually 
they started to drop off the thread because it was pretty obvious that he knew what he was talking about and they didn't know what they were talking about. But I, you know, on Twitter, I don't know if you guys do Twitter or not, but you know, you can respond to people. You don't have to know them. You can follow them or whatever. But I just put them, a, wrote them a little couple words and I just said, you know, I really like your keep calm and carry on uh, attitude in the midst of this, um, all of this pushback and hostility that you're getting. You know, he wasn't upset. He wasn't getting angry. He's just like, no, no, these are the facts and let's just keep rolling on. So the facts are God does what he pleases. He does what he pleases and no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? And those who think they can and those who do that to some extent, it just has zero effect on anything. And one day, everybody will know that. So at the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. This is amazing. It's amazing how God saves this guy puts him back on his throne and blesses him even more than he had experienced before. I think that that's just, it's just fascinating. And, and all the way through, like I said, beginning in chapter two with the dream, God, it's like God has Nebuchadnezzar's number. He's gonna get this guy. And he keeps moving in with the truth, and Nebuchadnezzar resists it and, you know, keeps insisting that his way is the right way, but he finally is broken, and then God takes him and restores him and blesses him. And again, what a, what a picture of, of the grace and the goodness of God. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this. Here it is. Here's the final word. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Wow. I am 100% certain that we're going to meet Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. I have zero doubt about that. I mean, you know, he's basically praising the Lord. He's worshiping right here the God of heaven, and he's publicly proclaiming it praising, exalting, and glorifying the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Wow. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And you know, the Bible tells us in James, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You don't really want God to humble you. You can, you can force that if you want to. But if you stop and think about it, it's like, no, much better to just humble yourself. Because God will humble the proud. He does do it. And, you know, sometimes even as... God's people, we get prideful at times, don't we? 
we maybe think a little more of ourselves than we ought to. We can start to think that it's because of how smart we are or how godly we are or how connected we are. We, you know, we can start attributing our successes and blessings to the wrong thing. We can start thinking that it has something to do with us. And that's pride. And that, that can start to rise up. And when it starts to rise up, the minute we detect it, we need to just say, oh, wow, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Humble myself. And, and there are times when God just graciously will, will humble us as well. Just give us little reminders here and there that we're not as great as we maybe started to think we were. And I can think of a dozen of those moments in my life where I was maybe just feeling a little too good about my, you know, whatever it was. One time, I'll just tell you this story, then we'll finish. Um, one time years ago, I was, I, I was teaching. I was teaching the book of Genesis. I just started Genesis. Had a small congregation, maybe 40 people. It was a Sunday night. And I remember teaching Genesis. And it was one of those times where it was like every word was the right word. Every thought was the right thought. It was all just connecting. It was all so amazing. You know, I, I was really enjoying this. And, 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 you know, a few people were just commenting on, man, you know, Wow, tonight you were, something was happening up there, and I, you know, yeah, I, I, I was feeling it, but I was kind of thinking I just had really gotten really good at this, you know. <laughs> and so these are back in the days when I used to attempt to be a worship leader only because we didn't have one, so it was left to me to do it. Um, so what I did is I finished that message, and. I stepped over, and it was kind of like this, except it had carpet. And there was a stool, right, just right there. And I sat down on the stool, and I picked up my guitar. But what I didn't realize is that one of the legs was hanging over the edge of the step. And as I sat and started to say, let's worship the Lord, I fell over. This isn't the worst of it. Not only did I fall over, but there was a piano there, and I fell behind the piano with a guitar in my hands. I fall behind the piano, and I'm kind of stuck because I got the guitar. I'm in this little space behind the piano and clanging and banging, and I could just hear people going, oh, oh, my gosh, is he okay? Oh, what's going on? And I came out from behind the piano, quite humbled. And very clearly reminded that any good thing that was happening through me was because of God's grace on my life. So, so that's the way it is, right? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you.
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story by Rebecca McLaughlin. Although the holiday season can be filled with fond memories from childhood or the prospect of more to come, the holiday season can also be one of the most difficult times of the year. The longing for those we miss can intensify, or the loneliness felt throughout the year can be amplified. Whether the holiday season brings you excitement or dread, Rebecca McLaughlin will introduce you to the man born 2,000 years ago and explain the significance of his birth for you today. She will deal with the incredible claims of Christianity and will help you see that it is perhaps more important than you think. The book is Christmas Unbelievable, Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.